If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Value of restraint. I, I know that sometimes, even if you appoint me as a minister today, you give me a VA. Of course, I'm going to take it, right? But we need to slowly create a system whereby we can begin to exercise restraint in a lot of things, even in corruption. And this is important because our appetite for corruption is increasing. Because right now, there's a lot of, in quote NEBA. So our appetite and our desires are increasing. So hitherto, you'd hear people talk about corruption, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now it's in the millions of dollars. Hitherto, you hear about 10%. Now it is 15 to 30%. You know, now, you know, so our appetite is expanding. So even in corruption, our corruption is becoming more corrupt. So we need to begin to practice restraints in all forms of leadership to reflect the reality of our condition. We're not saying our leaders should be paupers, but maybe instead of using... You know, Langrusa VA that costs 80000 Maybe we should start using Pajaros that cost 45000 Still serves the same purpose. Even but without the brand names, I can tell you, yes. I can tell you something. Sometimes yeah. I wonder whether it's we ourselves, the people who even encourage... Encourage, of course. Because I remember hosting the finance minister last, the last time on Springboard. And he drove himself yeah. with a Kantanka and he came and packed and he had a show. When mm-hmm. we were seeing him off, some people opened their mouths in mm-hmm. shock and said, Kantanka, I mean... I mean is that not the first yeah. So what, what should he do? Yeah. If this is what he wants to drive, yeah. you could see people just could not achieve tense mentality. People yeah. could not relate to the father. Yeah. Look, he holds a public purse. How can you drive Kantanka? Tell him. So we have to see largesse. Yes. You know, so what excess. you are describing is funny, but yes. I mean, I mean, just to pull that against the reality, yeah. it, it, it's funny on one side, but also troubling on the other because yeah. what you are saying is so true. So I've gotten big ideas from my two young but very bold guests. I'm going to go for a brief break. When I come back, I'm going to tell you my summary of what I've learned from my two friends, Amma Lati and Chief Moomin. And then also ask Amma which of Chief's ideas would she want to steal and add to hers <laughs> and vice versa. Because, of course, if you hear such exciting ideas, something must provoke you. And it will not be out of place to see this one. I'll add it to my own. Let me just remind you about the E-Lead Conference slated for the 28th of October on Wednesday, 28th of October. This is the fourth in the series of your virtual women's development conferences. I am an avowed attendee. I have not missed even one. And I call myself the founder of the Git Crashes fan club because I'll be there again. And the theme for this particular edition, Get Techie, Let's Go Business. So it's about technology. And I'm sure my guests today didn't choose technology. I forgive all of them <laughs> for that. In fact, maybe Amma in her point about making data data free came close to technology. In fact, she did end up on technology. So Bold investment in technology too. I guess, <laughs> I, guess I forgive you too. So it's a Wednesday date with a woman on the 28th of of October. And then on the Hangout, we continue our job readiness discussion on staying in the game. So now you've gotten the job, you've gotten the opportunity. How do you stay in the game and how do you continue to shine? And that's a big conversation that you don't want to miss on Thursday evening at 7 p.m. 
Welcome back to Springboard, your virtual university, and to this big discussion about my ideal Ghana. And I can tell that you are sitting at home writing out your own prescription of your ideal Ghana and saying, give me the microphone and I will tell them a thing mm. or two. My guests for tonight, Ama Lati of the Social Enterprise Ghana. Ghana. I almost said foundation. <laughs> foundation though. Springboard Foundation. So social enterprise mm-hmm. Ghana and chief woman who is a playwright and a poet. Now Amma has been talking about her ideal Ghana on the lines of unemployment, science and technology, and religion. Chief woman has chosen arts, culture and entertainment, unemployment and leadership and governance. In a couple of minutes, let me summarize what I've learned. Amma's point about unemployment is to create an ecosystem where every young person that dares to venture into entrepreneurship has not just the patient capital, but at the right price with the commensurate support to pursue their business dream. Um, Chief's idea about arts, culture, and entertainment is that as a people, we must evolve and not transvolve. Transvolve means take everything we have, push it aside, and bring somebody else's idea into our space. He says, we must use our platforms and our media to promote our agenda and not what someone else is doing. Our values, our agenda, and our assets. Amma's idea on science and technology is to make data a utility available, and she says, make it as available as water in the COVID-19 era. I like that one. Charlie, powerful. Uh, And then chief on unemployment says, Let's have bold investments in new frontiers. Let's not be enamored with only real estate and then also investment in the capital market. Let's look at new frontiers we have not explored hitherto and move into those areas. Amma's third idea is that the faith that we profess must reflect in our choices, our behavior, our business, and our attitudes. And Chief says on leadership and governance that we must exercise the value of restraint. He says we are a country that is not yet rich and we have limited resources but we spend sometimes as if we have everything in the world and that should change as a nation. If you are giving marks or summary, would you give me good marks? 100%. I got it spot on. 100%. Right. You have been spot on. Um, which idea did Chief share that you would say this one, I think I'll just add it to mine. I will definitely steal his let's invest in bold ways and let's invest in innovation. Um, I'll add it to my idea. And now imagine that there's a fund. So I'm, a, I'm an investor. I have money. I want to invest in innovation. I know there's risk. I'm willing to take on that risk. But I don't want to go find the business myself, etc. So let's, let's create a fund. And let's give it really competent managers. And let this fund be about innovation. And let, let's find successful Ghanaians willing to put their investment into the fund the same way they would buy treasury bills for on investments into big bold ideas you're meeting chief physically for the very first time you didn't have a rehearsal before you came how does it feel to share an idea and have somebody else share literally the same spirit of an idea i i run innovation competitions and i can tell you that in any year you will see a hundred of the same idea the beauty of any idea is in the execution and so as we share the ideas here, I hope that there are people in the audience, definitely we ourselves are committed to the areas where we've been investing in. 
And it's about taking those ideas and beginning to act. And because there are so many people with similar ideas, those are the people who are going to come along with you. And it's teams that are actually able to execute ideas well. And so it's great to find someone who maybe one day will be in a team together. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wonderful. Wonderful. Chief. Yes. Uh, can I, can I, can I, uh, before I come to mine, yes, <laughs> you know, just as a way of advocacy. So, for example, if, if you had, uh, let's say, $10 million, would you share it among 10 people or 100 people, for example? I think we need to get to a point where you can actually share $10 million among 10 people. Yeah. Because one of the problems I realize is that, you know, there's just so much our people. You get to a point and you cannot grow. But we need that bold investment. If Mark Zuckerberg had not had those early big investments, you know, once the idea is good, people should not feel afraid. So sometimes, instead of actually sharing that small money amongst a lot of people, and it, it, there's just so much that can do, I'd rather invest in one bold idea for it to work. Because once it works, it, it works. It's you know, ripple effects would be amazing. So that's part of the bold. I, I would do both. Yes. Um, but it's because, important yeah. that we do that growth funding. Somebody needs hundred thousand dollars a million dollars, $10 million, they should be able to get it. But in your work, you also indicated in our off-conversation that there are people who all they need in all their lives is just 20,000 CDs, and that, yes. would, that would be the game changer. Yeah. What do you say about that? So what I say is not every business is going to scale of course, and be that trailblazer. Okay. The majority of businesses are going to be small businesses that serve their immediate mm-hmm. communities. Okay. They must be funded also. Okay. So it's not an either or. It okay. is and. They must be funded and the big innovators who have the extra talent, yeah. big visions, they must be funded too. You know what? There's sometimes a way in which a small description gets the spirit of the whole thing. You say it must not be an either or. It must be both. I'll tell you what. At the Festival of Ideas a few years ago, Dr. Possible threw a challenge and said, you know what? When we think of factories, we only think about big factories. Mm-hmm. And he has nothing against big factories. But he went to a place where he worked on a road. It was almost like cottage industries small, small players all doing different things. And he was describing chocolates mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and saying that imagine that you went to a fair and there are different people. Not very not skilled, not yeah. very huge, but each of them is doing a certain different expression of chocolates. Okay. And each of them, they've lined up expressing those different products. And he was saying that those, it's easy to get so many people empowered to do that and they, they are also nuanced within the context of where they are operating from. Mm-hmm. And so we can have so many of those yeah. and they would create employment and they would have a better chance of survival. And so this point is very interesting mm-hmm. for me because... I want to say something. Imagine those people came together, all with their different nuances, but created a brand and then started selling because of after in Senegal, mm. in I've taken Ghanaian chocolate across West Africa and every time I go, the people that's the first time they're eating chocolate that didn't come from France. And they get so thrilled that this is African chocolate. So imagine that those individual players came together also so that you can ha- you can still be small but you can have that collective power. Just just on, on the chocolate, I mean just to say that my my friend former minister of I think, communications in Nigeria says that the reason why she's very definite that Ghana is doing well is the fact that just our chocolates alone, anytime she flies to Ghana, there's a different brand and each of them could literally stand out on the global stage. Good evening to you, Amobola Johnson, um, fellow of the Africa Leadership Initiative. Your thoughts about Ghana are always very refreshing to hear. Um, Chief, 
yes. what idea would you want to Yes, I, I, would, I would go with religion because yeah. it's something that I've also always thought about, you know, because we consider ourselves as a very religious country. We like to trumpet that oh, we are very religious, we are Muslims, we are Christians, right? But sometimes you ask whether that's, you know, you know, reflects in our day-to-day life. So, for example, there are developed countries in the West that you may, we sometimes we even look down upon that these people have abandoned their, you know, religious values. But basic things like honesty, you take your car to the mechanic, you don't expect him to cheat you, or you take your work somewhere, you don't expect them to inflate the prices. So, basic little, little things, you know, not even in the big religious, but just little things about honesty, about kindness, about how you relate to other people. Sometimes I feel that there's that disconnect between the way we profess our religion and how it reflects in our everyday lives. And that for all you even know, those group of people that we think have abandoned their faith and they are not professing Jesus or all the time, but even through just the way they live. Because you go to some countries and it's like giving to charities like part and parcel of their life. That's like zakat, right? Someone just has a standing withdrawal on, on his account every month. Some money is going to some charity somewhere, you know. Whereas for us, yes, we like to give to our churches, but beyond that, it's like because we are being compelled oh, for the fear of hell and the desire of heaven, let's pay our tithe. But are we really paying our tithe because of that fear or because we believe that it's going to go a long way in serving something? Mm. That genuine when you get to get to that point. So I really love that point, how religion must really reflect. And if it reflects, we may not need to shout to the high heavens that we are the most religious people, but our actions will speak louder than our words. Yeah. I'll end on the note of your actions speak, speaking louder than your words because yeah. really, the word religion itself... Yeah. Is the problem. Yeah. Because faith is different from religion. Religion. Yeah. Okay. Religion is often where it gets problematic, but faith itself is much greater than religion. All right, let's look at we've spoken a bit about his unemployment idea and how it ties in with yours. So we've crossed that one out. You've also touched a bit on religion. Let's go to the idea about arts, culture, mm. and entertainment. Let's yeah. explore it a bit. Yeah. Chief, what's your idea? So um you know, I think that as a people, we have to also understand that we, our spirits are in a way broken mm. because of our colonial experience, our neo-colonial experience. There is something about the confidence of the Ghanaian or the African that has been battered. And it is the role of artists to begin to reconstruct our identity to empower us. Because there are some people you still talk to them and they think that the whites are God. Hey, Obruni, they're no more to me, yo. You know, forgetting that we have enormous capacity to do and that we have come from a rich history. So it is important for our artists to begin to understand the important role they play in our society. Unfortunately, I think we don't. Unfortunately, you've done, you've done yes. quite some stuff. Yes. And I've attended your yes. place. I've mm-hmm. sat down and yes. watched. <laughs> yes. Which means that we are personalizing your yes. work and we are yes, endorsing. That's true. I'm a minority. Right. It is important that our artists should be conscious. We need Sarkodie and Chatawale and people like that to be conscious. And when I say conscious artists, let me give you a good example. Years ago, it wasn't fashionable for young ladies to be wearing African prints, right? Yeah. We saw it as something that old men do. When the likes of Shelley from Maso started glamorizing African prints, so-called, in our movies, now it's trendy. People, excuse me to say, are fickle. People who buy into what is trendy. So if we actually want people to embrace made in Ghana in different forms, we have to make it exciting, trendy, you know. And it's the art because art is a propaganda tool. You can use it well or you can you can use it badly. That's why our people want to travel to Europe because once we watch the movies, we feel that it's mm-hmm. heaven, you know. Mm-hmm. So people would rather sell their little business here to cross the Sahara and the Mediterranean to get to some European country that they don't even know what they are going to do than take a chance with their motherland. So it is the responsibility. 
responsibility of us artists to begin to piece together our narrative and to reclaim who we are as a people. But unfortunately, we are just continuing to entrench that brokenness of the African spirit, you know, that everything West is the best. Let me come to mm. you, Emma, on the same point. This narrative issue, this issue of our culture, our yeah. entertainment, our arts being used as a tool to communicate our message, what will be your touch on it? I love it. I remember myself as a young person asking myself, why is Ghana the way it is? And searching for answers and not finding them. And I found my answers in a history class. And as they talked about Ghana's culture, they talked about early civilizations, how they were formed. And they talked about wars and how various places developed. And Who was your favorite history teacher? Um, <laughs> Professor Dofeni. He was All amazing. Right. He All is right. um, still amazing. And I had a dream then of actually doing a documentary okay. showing how the world history has actually happened, mm. not the one that we were told as children, in local language. So mm-hmm. doing this in Tree, in Ga, in Ever, so that people can actually... Which, 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 is, which local language do you speak very well? I speak um, Tree, Tree and Fanti. Very well. Yes. So this point you're making, can you make it in Tree? I will struggle. <laughs> <laughs> struggle. So obviously I won't be the narrator, but it's really around retelling our culture and our history so that people understand that in Britain, there was a time when the Thames was full of dead horses Mm. and street urchins will sweep the road in front of those flowing ladies and that the river was dead. And yet in our traditional cultures, sanitation and the whole organization of our societies never went there. And, and to be able to be proud of who we have been and reimagine that colonization and neocolonization cannot break us. That this is the generation that rises and takes our place in the world. So beautiful. Let me ask you, did sanitation ever feature in your list that didn't it make did. it? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that, you know, the same bite, they get one free. At the point, the, the sanitation was trying to creep in. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Sanitation was bigger on my list, but I, I dropped it. If you just join us, this is Springboard of Russia University. <laughs> my guest, Amalati, and then Chief Moment. We're having a conversation about the ideal Ghana. It's a free conversation. You can be having it at home with your loved ones, your friends, mm-hmm. your family. The more we talk about what could be, the more we ask ourselves, why not? And then somebody listening says, you know what? Let me start from my own small corner and mm-hmm. make a difference. And that's how the world gets transformed. It was interesting as you described um, the arts culture and entertainment and he asks you about your lecturer. I find out that sometimes the person who teaches you about something mm-hmm. can to a large extent True. influence mm. your love for the subject. You get a wrong person and you you don't appreciate the subject and sometimes yeah. much later in life you realize how much you need it and you yeah. literally curse those who didn't help you. Yeah. But thanks to Prof. Adolfini, a lecturer like amazing. him, you can look back till today yeah. and say he's still amazing. Yeah. And that, amazing. I remember I majored in economics and minor in sociology, and I remember my class with Kujo Senna. Mm-hmm. Prof. Senna was so good, and he could tell us, I love stories. My whole life is around stories. And Prof. Senna could tell stories in his lectures so much that my roommate, one of my roommates was a biological sciences student, but he would never miss a Monday class mm-hmm. in sociology. I was not a history student, but I would never miss uh, Prof. Really? Uh, uh, That's uh, interesting. Oh, wow. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Let's cross arts, culture, and entertainment, and then let's come to science and technology. How yeah. much power can we leverage when data is free? Data is expensive. Sometimes I ask myself, how am I even affording this? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, no. 
not. Like I, but, but you need it. Yes, so I need it. it. Yes. So I realized if that it was available. What, what? How much power could be if the cost of data was under, underwritten by the state? What would become possible from even where you sit? As a, Let as me take you from a friend's a, a friend who is an architect. He says there's a solution to our urban issues called um, acupuncture. So acupuncture is you, you can't solve all the problems at once, right? So you look for pivotal spots and do particular changes that can have ripple effects. Right. It's the same with technology. Look, our young people are doing amazing in the technology space with or without even government yeah. support. Recent, I just read that some companies investing $200 million in some Nigerian stuff yeah. and all of that. Just with the computer, some of the things that young people do in this come like, wow, if I had the resources, Charlie, this is money to make. Like every day I'm just thinking, this is money to make. I meet someone, I'm like, I can just see money to make, right? It's just that. So if the government cannot even create the odd opportunities for these people, what are the pivotal points that once you transform, they can at least help people to bootstrap? Data. Yeah. Right now, everything is data. Data is extensive. It should be a national conversation. It should be a manifesto issue for political <laughs> parties. I kid you not. And I think that once we begin to, and I think the young, we haven't probably spoken about it. Right now, sometimes we complain about the networks, but it goes beyond the networks. You know, I think there's a whole system that can bring down the cost of data. If our voices begin to be heard and people see, uh, government sees this is really a burning issue for us as the young people, then that can translate. But in in in, in 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 half a minute, yeah. tell me what benefit can accrue to the nation if yeah. data is available unlimited. It can accelerate innovation from young people. Essentially, to say it's also important for, for young people to understand the opportunities that is available to them at that level. It's not just data to listen to music and watch movies, which is important, but how do you also leverage that opportunity that has been given to you? A lot of people know, but a lot of people too don't know. There are people who are sitting there in their rooms making a lot of money that you don't know that they're actually making. That that money. So availability of data, but also how to create ecosystems so that young people know the opportunities available. Because if all that they are talking about is movies and music, that's what they will download. But if your work reaches down to all the levels and people are having conversations about opportunities, you know, technology, creating apps and solutions here and there, if we pick their interest and their excitement, they themselves would explore. Mm. Let me come back to you, Ama, and ask you to defend Chief's third point on leadership and governance. He says, let's exercise some restraint. If you do not, I mean, Ben Bracken or to them in now, you see, um, Benz, in your baby in there. Was it Ben Bracken who sang that song? I think that's, I think that sometimes, yeah, the conversations, and this is not the first time it's been made on this show, in this particular series, yeah, there's an argument that says we have to look at where we are yeah. and make choices that fit where we have reached yeah. on our journey. What do you say to this? I totally agree with him. If you look at the amount of waste that happens and you look at the resources that go into some of the stories that you hear and you imagine just a, a quarter of that being put into, say, a fund for the arts that allows people to be able to fund productions and be able to upload them for people to patronize, what would that impact be? And I think that having leaders who show the example of restraint and being able to amplify those would also create that example. So imagine that the president exercised restraint in his um, the entourage that follows him. In I mean, he, he does a good job of showing the Ghanaian culture with his African print shirts. And you can see how that is trickling down to the rest of his government. And so we need key people in leadership to show the example, to exercise restraint, to 
show that austerity and that focus on developing the country and sacrificial leadership. A leadership that is about serving and not just about benefiting. Even if it's just cosmetic, it will have a difference. Even if it's just for the cameras. Let me give you a minute, Chief Moment, to, mm. to summarize all three points that you have made and their interconnectedness in just a minute. <laughs> if you had a minute on the BBC, if the clock was set like this, cool, and exactly a minute will go off, and the whole world is listening to you, Chief Moment, mm. you've, set, you've shared three ideas with us as culture and entertainment, yeah. unemployment, and the leadership. Are they interconnected? Are they intertwined? And in one minute, how can your ideal Ghana? benefit all of us if these three things are done. I think that's important that for any nation to develop, you need the right mindset. You need the self-belief and you need to be able to dream beyond the limits of possibilities. You need to know that the impossible is possible. And to do so, those who influence our thoughts and our behaviors in a long, in a, in a, in a large way are our artists and religious leaders too also. So we need artists to begin to create national identities and visions that empowers people to know that they can be who they want to be. And while we're doing that, we need leadership to create the enabling environment first by showing the example, by showing the restraints and by putting in place a policy framework to ensure that ideas can thrive. And for ideas to thrive, we need everybody to be willing to invest boldly, right? It should be a mindset thing that if you have resources, don't just think of real estate or buying and selling. Ask yourself, what other thing can I do to expand this economy? You got it. You got it. You got it. In, in, in 61 seconds. <laughs> When I come back to YouTube, the time for that poem you promised to yes, close us today. But let me come to you, Amma Lati. You shared about unemployment, science and technology, and then religion. Put your thoughts, string them together in a one-minute presentation with the whole world listening. Let's start. So I would say that Ghana's young people are resilient and entrepreneurial. They need to be provided with the capital when they have taken the risk. And in my ideal Ghana... There are people willing to take risk capital, and it's available both for those who want small amounts and those who need big amounts. That this, they also have access to resources like data that are available free and that have sort of unleashed creativity to extents that we can't even imagine. And that below all that is, or the foundation of all that is, a deep national character inspired by our faiths. And that allows the divine to work through us to transform this world he has given us. The divine is definitely working through us. And you had 63 minutes and you also made it. All right. So my name is Albert Okun. I don't have anything to summarize, but I have a friend here who's called Chief Mumen. My guests for tonight have been Ama Lati and Chief Mumen. Ama is in Social Enterprises Ghana. She's a co-founder and they work with Social Enterprises to make a difference. She recently won the Aliwa Award and we thank God for her accomplishments. Chief Moomen has been at the forefront of letting arts and culture and entertainment speak across our nation and we had him here tonight sharing his thoughts and he chose to share about arts, unemployment, leadership and governance. Let's go away with a poem by Chief Moment. But my name is Albert Okran saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Gentlemen, over to you. Thank you. We are caught with. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Between the hope of a new dawn and the challenges of a painful past, light beckons at the tunnel's end, yet darkness holds onto our backs. We stand at the threshold of soaring dreams, yet we are crippled by the weight of painful nightmares. But we choose the hope of a new dawn. We choose the light at the tunnel's end. We choose the soaring dreams at the threshold. We are the new brave voices echoing across the length and breadth of the continent. We are the awakening panther from the deep slumber. We are the new Africans changing the narrative of our continent for the better.
issues that go beyond the political divide. This is what news means to us on News Desk. We separate facts. Six-year-old doesn't know he's a male and a female. Really? From opinions, noise, and rhetoric. Within that stories, features, and compelling analysis of the news in politics. And it will not happen. Not in this country. Business. Education. Health. We believe in reporting all sides of the news. It's unbiased, fair, and credible news on Joy News Desk. My name is Michael Nyumingotete. Multimedia is celebrating 25 years of media excellence, and I am a beneficiary of the Multimedia Educare Fund. Thank you, Multimedia, for investing in my life. Grateful heart, Asida. to election 2020. Good evening and welcome to The Probe. I am MFA Powell and this is Joy 99.7 FM radio for the descending listener. Also live on the Joy News channel, home of bold and fearless journalism. Wherever you are, you can catch us live on myjoyonline.com. On DSTV, we are on channel 421, Go TV channel 144. Tonight, we are probing the Electoral Commission's preparedness for an election which is just 43 days away. The number one and number two persons on the ballot paper have had cause to caution the EC about one thing or the other. President Ekofad, while submitting his nomination forms, we all recall, told the commission to ensure that the 2020 general elections are credible, saying he doesn't want to be the president of a crooked elections. Printing of ballots is the next step after the voter transfer process. That's underway. We have the latest on that. Now, already there are red flags about some of the print houses. Do you have confidence in the electoral system? What are your key expectations from the Electoral Commission? These questions and more were gathered from your thoughts on social media and elsewhere and put to the two deputy commissioners of the Electoral Commission, Dr. Bosman Asari, in charge of corporate services, Mr. Samotiti, in charge of operations. They have answers tonight on the probe. But before we get probing, head of our political desk, Evan Spencer, and his deputy, Winston Amwa, joins me via Zoom for quick inputs from the lenses of the political desk. That's right after this. Please stay. This is The Probe. Welcome back and thanks for your company tonight. And we are probing the Electoral Commission, like I said, political desk, the head and his deputy, Evan Spencer and Winston Amwa, 
will join us just before we get probing the EC. So starting with you, Evans, as head of the desk, what are your initial thoughts about the current EC and the preparations, also the preparedness for an election which is, what, 43 days away? I mean, if you look at it in in sense in sense of their roadmap uh, towards the election 20, 20 December, a lot of the things that they wanted to do that became very controversial, particularly the registration exercise, has happened and has happened largely very successfully. Um, when we're going into the registration, we recall the clamor, the criticism, the fears, and everybody had it especially also because it was unique coming within the context of coronavirus. Um, people thought it wasn't necessary to do it. We had a register that we had used for the 2016 elections. It produced a credible election outcome. Why do you want to change it? The EC stood by. They, they largely said because of technological issues, um, they felt it was needed and that the technology that were used in the last election was outmoded. And so they invested a lot in it. Um, that was done. It has largely happened successfully. They have um, managed to put a huge number of uh, people on the voters' roll now. Even the NDC that raised concerns about the register itself had subsequently um, toned down on, on that particular issue. Um, and that was a, one of the major things that was going to be, uh, I remember having a conversation about can the electric commission do this within the time frame that he has, finish it, do the exhibition, and finalize the register in time for the elections. It's, it's clear that they've done that. And we saw what? Um, just slightly over a month of the elections. Mm -hmm. So largely... The concerns and the fears that we all had had not been borne out yet. And I'm, I still want to give the Electoral Commission the benefit of the doubt. Well, these are some of the questions that came up in my interaction with the two commissioners. We're yet to find out if indeed uh, the final register has been certified. We'll get into that shortly. But Winston, you also get to interact uh, with the political actors. How do you think uh, the EC has done in terms of building confidence while allaying expected fears ahead of the polls as well? It appears, do we have Winston? Okay, so it, it, it appears we don't have Winston just yet. But Evans, so well, Winston, can you hear us? You have to unmute yourself so we can speak to you. Okay, so we'll try to, to rectify uh, that connection to Winston Namwa. But Evans, so, like I was asking, okay. Okay, that, that's a bad connection to Winston Amos line. He, he warned us earlier about it. Uh, he's just returned as, a, as an electoral commissioner from Boko during the ballot box, though, so I'm sure that we'll get to pick his thoughts on that. But Evans, I was asking about uh, how the EC has done in terms of building confidence. We've had the former president uh, raise concerns about his confidence in the electoral commission. It looks like that's zero, he says, and that he would not accept results of a flawed election. How do you think the EC has done in terms of building that confidence? Um, I honestly think the EC could certainly have done more in in reaching out to the NBC in particular and other stakeholders. I think one of the things that the EC could do more of is the consultations. Mm -hmm. The consultations are important. And I think if there's any criticism of the Electoral Commission, it's that they, they sometimes 
um, take it for granted within this very heated charged political environment um, every little bit of consultation the EC has tried largely to be transparent but in some cases I, for example I'll give you an example the, the last balloting they did for the positions on the on the on the uh, ballot paper come mm-hmm. December 7th mm-hmm. the NDC got there and raised concerns that the the balloting process itself has been transparent etc uh, and, and and choosing the 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 ballots, uh, opening it up for them to see what was in the balls, the round balls that you had to pick. These are minor matters, right? But exactly because there is such a charged, there's a lot at stake. You shouldn't take anything for granted. Um, again, when the EC saw that there were issues with the registration of some individuals and they had to replace their voter ID card because some of the numbers had been duplicated mm-hmm. they should have consulted and until the video leaked and it went viral of some EC officials who were printing um, ID cards for people, legitimately so right, but because the EC had not consulted before then it, created, it was put in a contest of this is happening under the cover under cover, and it was happening for some purposes to rig the elections as it turned out, it wasn't so but the, if the EC had consulted that wouldn't have happened. Having said that, the concerns that the NDC had raised about the process not being uh, free and fair going into the elections and the John Muhammad's main concern about the possible flawed elections, mm-hmm. I must say that I, I disagree because if you go back into history, every election year, the opposition political parties seem to always express mistrust for the Electoral Commission. Yeah. Let's go back to 1992. The NPP then in opposition wrote the stolen, um, the, the wrote the, what the we verdict. now famously call the, the stolen verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed out of elections largely. In, tw- in 996, same happened. Dr. Koya, for example, people forget, we remember him fondly now. But the opposition political parties vilified him. In fact, the NPP in 2000, the elections that they won, before the elections, they had they had deep mistrust for Dr. Farijan and the Electoral Commission, and yet they won the elections. Mm-hmm. In 2008, same happened. The NPC in opposition, again, criticized. They didn't trust Dr. Farijan, Dr. Farijan. They didn't trust the electoral process. They thought the electoral process had been, um, there's a conspiracy to give Nana Kufadu, who was then the uh, incumbent's candidate, uh, on the other hand, what, what turned out was that the NDC won the elections. Let's come to 2012. Yeah. Um, sorry, 2016. Anybody remember that the, now currently the MPP, which was in opposition then, had led a campaign of mistrust against the then Charlotte-Ossay-led Electoral Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, the vice president today, who was the running mate to Nanado Dead, had done research that showed that they claim 70,000 plus people to police who happened also to be on a Ghanaian yeah, register. And they said that was bloated with foreigners. It was a campaign. They formed Let My Vote Count Alliance. All because of that. What happened in the final analysis? The MPP that they didn't trust the Electoral Commission, that they didn't trust the, the voters' register that Charlotte Say and Co. had supervised, won the elections historically with margins that we haven't seen before. So my point is, we've seen this before. What was happening with the NBC not trusting the electoral commission? We've seen it before, and it constantly turns out 
that electoral commission at the end of the day wins with the credibility still intact. Charlotte Osei proved it. Dr. Koju Afarijan proved it. Our electoral system is one of the best in the world. Um, and I, I really don't know why opposition political parties do that mm. to the electoral commission year on election year upon election year. Although the results have shown that constantly their fears have not been borne out, but they still do it. And that's what the NDC is doing to this electoral commission. Why? So with, with, that, with that record in mind, Evans, uh, should the commission leave it as it is? Should they do anything about building any confidence or that will simply not work? I mean, I have said at the beginning of this that I think the electoral commission should reach out more. Okay. I think they should reach out more, even when they feel that they shouldn't. Because I, I hear this a lot. Oh, we, we, we have the power to do it. And the constitution gives yeah. us a mandate. We don't need to consult. I, I get that. That is true. That is what a lot of says. However, when you have an, a situation where people already start from a place of mistrust, you, you simply have to reach out, I mean, and leave it for us, the people, to judge. When you have reached out and they turn you down and you try to be as transparent and as, as consultative as possible and they turn you down, you have the people on your side, the right-thinking members of society, men and women of society, who know that you've done your utmost best to bring transparency to the process and to bring the other side into the game and open up and they rejected you. I mean, I think the Electoral Commission should do more of that. But if you come back to the basics, I say that I will give this Electoral Commission and any Electoral Commission the benefit of the doubt. Because since okay. 1992, they have proven that they are credible. Yes, they have issues. Our Electoral process is far from perfect. This Electoral Commission is far from perfect. But history tells us that at the end of the day, after December 7, they will do it again. I, mm. I haven't seen evidence since 1992 to show otherwise. Yes, one time it went to the Supreme Court in 2012. Mm. But yeah, guess what? The, the Supreme Court ruled that the, the process that the Electoral Commission superintended, yes, had issues, but the outcome was upheld. Okay. I mean, so that tells you a lot. Okay. We should trust the Electoral Commission more. But unfortunately, I don't expect that to happen at least from the opposition party's point of view. Okay, so we have a few minutes uh, to get into the main reason why we're gathered tonight. And uh, Evan Spencer and Winston Namwa, like the John the Baptist, are preparing the way for the two EC commissioners. We're just raising the issues that have come up and concerns that people have about the current system that's been operated by the Electoral Commission. Let's try again. If we have Winston, then we can wrap up and get into that interview for tonight. Winston, so if you can hear us now, we've been talking about the posturing of this electoral commission and building confidence ahead of the election and preparations and their preparedness so far. We'll bring you in quickly if you can hear us now. Hello, Winston. Can you hear us now, Winston? You can hear me. Okay. Winston, we can hear you now. Yes, we can, Winston. We'll try again. Unfortunately, no, that's not working. That's simply not working tonight. Winston, and that's the deputy head of our political desk. Uh, he's just gone back and returned from Boko, so I'm sure uh, that the line is uh, playing up with him. But Evans, 
I would uh, leave it here uh, for now. I'm sure you have some expectations. You have some expectations ahead of that interview that we have with the two deputy ECs. Quickly, then we can get into it. Uh, definitely, I, I'm, I and this is the probe. I mean, they should. I'm expecting that they'll be addressing some of these concerns that have been raised. There are concerns. It's about reassuring the parties. Don't take anything for granted, and be as transparent and as forthcoming with answers as possible. They should keep doing some of the things they're doing, but they should reach out more certainly. And I, I wish I could hear more of that, the conciliatory tone, mm. and not one that also tends to be confrontational. Well, Evan Spencer, thank you so much. That's the head of our political desk. We'll be hearing more of him 43 days uh, to election 2020. I'll be right back and then we get into that interview. seem to be cruising along but just when you least expect it things could go horribly wrong leave nothing to chance let Geico Group help you achieve your goals with customized solutions for life and general insurance, healthcare and finance. Glyco, we cushion you for life. I'm Harold Nukwein, multimedia celebrating 25 years of media excellence and I'm a beneficiary of the Multimedia Educate Trust Fund. Thank you so much, Multimedia, for investing my life. Grateful hearts, Asida. Actually extended 
to Friday. Were you able to transfer your votes? would hear that and i would want you uh, to be part of the discussion tonight as we host on the probe tonight the two commissioners deputy commissioners of the electoral commission i have with me dr bosman i should add eric bosman i'm sorry we hardly hear him we hardly introduce him as eric but it's dr eric bosman Asari. he's a deputy commissioner in charge of corporate services we also have tonight mr samuel tete is also a deputy commissioner in charge of operations. Good evening, gentlemen, and welcome to the probe. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you Thank so you. much for being a part of it tonight. I know that you've been very busy, and you are the most important people in this country at this point. <laughs> How has it been so far? I'm sure that you've been busy. Uh, we've been balloting this week. We've had we've disqualified candidates. Doctor, sorry, I'll start with you. How has it been? I think uh, for us, it's, it's what we do for a living. So. I will, I will candidly say it's been okay, though it's been very, very uh, challenging uh, considering the fact that you have to go through a system and some people definitely because they didn't do certain things right, uh, they needed to be expelled or if you like they needed to be disqualified. So, but I think as a commission that's what uh, we, are, we, are, we are set up to do. So we've got to make sure that we do it in a manner that will promote the country's democratic development. And I think we just did what we had to do. Mm. Well, Mr. Mr. Tate, you had a lot of fun during the balloting. <laughs> it was live on the joining yes. channel. The balloting and, chairman. Uh, yes, the balloting chairman. <laughs> and he had a lot of fun. Uh, yes. We could tell. Um, how was it? Because people were expecting something different in, in terms of the balloting. Tell us about um, yes, it. Uh, if I, really, if you look at um, the balloting that we did, um, it's an improvement over that of um, 2016. Mm. You know, 2016, just um, um, folding of, um, what do you call it, pieces of papers and all that, and then putting it in, into a very small bowl and other things. Mm -hmm. But you find out that we actually went ahead, refined the system, and then used those small balls, almost similar to what uh, FIFA and other exactly. would wear. Yes. At some point, you know, we thought it was a yes, <laughs> football. FIFA, this thing, you know. Okay. So um, it, it, it's, um, it was very nice and um, an improvement of our 2016's own. And uh, what we actually did was that, you know, um, in 2016, with the first level of balloting, you know, the parties actually were struggling to uh, pick mm. to know the number for the next balloting. Mm. But we all know the COVID environment, the situation and all that. So what we decided to avoid, you know, was uh, the parties trying to go in to okay. pick the ballots and all that. And that's why we said the um, filing, the order of the filing should be used to pick the first one. Okay. And uh, the first candidate was the independent candidates and they are not part of the balloting. Mm. You know, we normally put them after we've balloted for the political parties. So the the the, the balloting system was a complete improvement over that of twenty sixteen mm. because twenty sixteen was, was that you should have let all the parties see once you're writing the numbers before putting them in the balls for the seeding, I should say. So that was one of the concerns that were raised, at least by the NDC. I think for, for that one, you know, uh, we had 11 political parties who were competing mm -hmm. for the various uh, positions. So uh, in the thinking of the commission, we felt that the best was to 
have the numbers, let them pick. If at the end of the day some numbers were not even properly written or they were they were doubled or tripled, etc., yeah. we were all in the room, we were going to see it. And if since you were monitoring on TV, the second batch of the balloting was done transparently, everyone was there, number one to number eleven. And when we finished and we we're mentioning who had number one, number two in that order. So the commission is, is deeply committed to ensuring that all our activities are embedded with integrity, uh, transparency, fairness. We are all Ghanaians and we are trying to promote a system which is a democratic system which will advance the course of the management of our country. So as a commission, let it be far from us. That we'll do- Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Certain things that will favor one party and uh, disfavor another polycarpa. We are not going to do that. That's, and we, we did it, and you notice, even when we did the first round of yes. balloting, we had Madame Equiadonko mm-hmm. emerging first, another smaller party second, another smaller party third, a major party came fourth, another major party came eighth. That yeah. clearly uh, points to the, the integrity of the system. It was done in a very, very transparent manner. Mm-hmm. But one and two for the NPP and NDC, quite surprising. You're in the room also. Uh, people think that there must be something uh, happening behind the scenes on that, but you've just explained that the, the process yes. was very transparent. But were you surprised that you had the NPP and NDC taking the number one and number two slots? Um, we were not actually surprised because as for balloting, anything, anything can, happen. can happen. Of course, and it even shows how um, transparent the commission um, was at that um, day. You know, for MPP to pick the first slot and NDC to pick the second slot, you know, how could that have actually happened? Mm. So it shows the level of what transparency and integrity in the way the balloting was done. It makes your work easy. Very. So if any party had been number one, we will still see our work. Because now way. you have 12 uh, people on the 12 faces on the ballot mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to be. Is it going to be a horizontal paper? I know you are starting the process. We'll get into it. How long a paper will it be? How short a paper will it be? Or landscape or portrait? We'll get to we we'll get to know. But this time, you have the first and second, so you're just checking and uh, the, pol- the smaller political parties say they are going to do well, so we'll wait for that to happen. But now it makes it easy, doesn't it? No, I, I wouldn't say it makes it easy, and you know, as you said, the smaller parties said they are going to do well. Mm-hmm. They've always been saying they are going to do well. We don't know what is going to change in, uh, in 2020. But for us, in terms of even the paper argument, etc., mm-hmm. we have a system in place which will ensure that 
where people are going to thumbprint is so spacious mm. enough. And as a commission, we are determined to reduce the number of rejected ballots. So we are going to go out there, be on the offensive in terms of a lot of public education so that people can identify the ones they actually want to vote for. And we also concede that having 12 people on the ballot is really yeah. a lot. But the point is that we, as Electoral Commission, there are laws in place. We have the political parties law, which allows people to form political parties. So once people have met uh, the qualifications uh, to be able to contest, we are not the agency or the institution to deny them that opportunity. But we, we understand that the right to vote and the right to be voted for, they are so fundamental to the laws of our country. And it is not the electoral commission, the commission that must make sure that people vote and people can make themselves available to be voted for. We are not going to be that institution that will deny people as long as you are following uh, the precepts. So what we are saying is that as a commission we are going to make sure that although the numbers are 12 and when you look at the trends 20, 2016 I think about 8 2012 in that order this number is very very large. So as a commission we need to make sure that the thumbprinting where people are going to identify the ones they are going to vote for is, is such that it will be very clear. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 